0: Let's pray before we begin. Lord, please let us understand your word and put it in our hearts. May it shape our lives to be more like your Son. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Oftentimes in the Bible, we're admonished to hold. The apostle wrote Timothy and said, holding forth the word of life. But there are times in the Bible, in fact, only five things in the New Testament mention Things that we're to do more than just hold on to, but we're to hold fast on to them. In 1944, I went into the armed forces, the infantry. I later joined the paratroopers and became a paratrooper. And for all of you new sailors here this morning, I repeat what I say so often, one paratrooper can lick any five sailors. And uh, I'll be glad to have Brother Vineyard prove that any time you want him to. But, uh, of course, he was a paratrooper, too. But uh, we had unbelievable, unbelievable physical training. Really, you'd never know it looking at me, but honestly, that's true. As you've heard me say before, to become a paratrooper, I had to do 90 push-ups with a full field pack on my back. We had run one mile the first day, two miles the second day, until the tenth day we had run ten miles with boots on, and counting cadence one two three four one two three four most of the way. One of the things, and I had no problems really after the first day of running. I caught on, and I ran. I, I guess I guess when I was when I got my wings, I could have run almost indefinitely, really. Um, but there was one thing that always bothered me. I could chin, I could do push-ups. I could climb the wall and the obstacle course. Uh, most all of it I could do. But there's one thing I always had a time doing, and that was rope climbing. I don't know why. We had to climb a rope, uh, uh so high, I forget how high it was. I think, oh, four or five hundred yards. But, uh, a few miles high. But anyway, we had to, uh, we had, if it had been, if it had been ten feet, it would have been the same for me. For some reason or other, I could chin, I could do push ups, but I don't know what it was. Maybe my hands weren't big enough. I'm not sure, but I had the hardest time in the world climbing a rope. And I can and, and and you had to do it to become a paratrooper. And uh, so I I got about halfway up, and I I said, okay, infantry, here I come, here I come back, and I want to be a paratrooper. So bad I could taste it. I had worked so hard, and I had I had run, and I had done calisthenics, and and uh, and uh, I I you only allowed three gigs. You know what a gig is, huh? gig is a Greek word. It means you goofed up. And uh, three a gig is, is means that you uh, something you didn't do. In other words, if you couldn't climb the rope, you got one gig, three gigs, and you washed out of the paratroopers. Well, I already had two gigs, and uh, this was the last day. And so I decided. A fellow got to me. He said, Now, look, Jack, I know you have trouble with the rope. Now, he said, You'll just climb a ways and hang on for a while. Just hold on. He said, just hang on to that rope and don't slide any. And wrap your legs around the rope and, and let your legs hold the weight for a while and just hang on for a while till you get a second energy and then climb on up. Well, it took me three hours to climb it, I guess. But, but that's the way I became a paratrooper. I wrapped my hands and my legs around the rope, and I I pulled up a a little bit, you know, and I got about a third of the way up, and and the the, the fellow that told me said, Hold on! Stop! Hold on! And so I held on, and uh, then I got an energy, and I pulled myself up about a third of the way, uh, two-thirds of the way a third more, and I held and 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 the, the sergeant was saying, Come on, Hiles! Come on, Hiles! We have others! And the fellow said, Hold on! Hold on! And uh, so I, uh, I, I finally held on until I got enough, uh, enough energy. And, and you had to touch the top and say, HUBBA, HUBBA! Why you said, HUBBA, HUBBA? I don't know, but you had to touch the top and holler, HUBBA, HUBBA! And so I got the top. And I reached up the top, and I was worn out. And I said, HUBBA, HUBBA! And, uh, <clears throat> but I never would have been a paratrooper if somebody hadn't taught me to climb a part of the way and hold on for a while. Dig in for a while. Just stay for a while and hold fast. Now the Lord tells us there are five things in the New Testament that we're to hold fast. the the word the, the, the word hold fast the words in the Greek they're one word. They come from two words, but they form one word. And there there are two basically Greek words: one which means to hold, and one which means down to hold something down. What what. Uh, the Lord is saying is, hold down. You've got something, hold it down. It means keep it there. Like you you uh, you get the dog and you're trying to give the dog some medicine and you hold him and you hold him. And another is, comes from the word which means uh, hold against. In other words, you get something against the wall, you hold it against. And put together, they both mean the same thing, hold fast. Now, there's some things that God admonishes us to hold. Hold with all our might. It means use every ounce of energy you have to hold on to these things. Now, there are five of them mentioned in the Testament. By the way, if there are some things that, that the Lord admonishes us to hold fast, that means that Satan wants these things more than he wants the other things. It means if, uh, if uh, uh, you say, say to a lady, hold on to your purse now. Hold on to your purse. When you go downtown, keep a good grip on your purse. Why? Well, uh, you don't say, keep a good grip on your shoes. Well, your shoes, well, why? Nobody's trying to steal your shoes. No thief comes up, knocks you in the head, and grabs your shoes and runs off. Uh, you don't have to hold, have good grip on your shoes, or a good grip on your gloves, or a good grip on your earrings. They only cost ninety-eight cents, and on your, but hold, hold on to your purse. Hold on to your purse. Why? Somebody wants it. Now, these things are things that Satan wants. And because he wants them, whatever they are, now listen a minute, because he wants them means we're to hold extra fast onto these things. There's a second implication here. It implies that these things can be lost. There are five things that can be lost, and they can be lost determined by what we do. We can lose them, or we can keep them determined by what we do. The Lord has nothing to do with these things. We hold on to them, or we let them go. The third implication here, it implies that they are precious and needed. If our Lord says, hold on to these things above all things, if our Lord says, hold fast to these things, it implies they are extra precious and extra needed. Now then, we ought to find out what they are. If Satan wants them, we ought to find out what they are. If uh, they can be lost, we ought to find out what we can lose. And if they're extra precious and extra needed in the Christian life, then we ought to hasten to find out what these are. Now, what are these? By the way, let me say a word or two about the opposite. There are some things in the Christian life. Now, follow this carefully. There are some things in the Christian life that usually the Christian grows in as he grows older in the Lord. There are some things that time increases in the Christian life. But there are some things that depreciate with time in the Christian life. Uh, for example, did you know the older you get in the Lord, the more you're going to want to know about the Bible? That's just natural. You're going to want to know more. About, the Lord never says, Hold fast your desire to know about the Bible. No, no, he didn't say that. He didn't say, by the way, did you know the, the more you grow in the Christian life, the more you're going to want to be comforted. And the more comfort you're going to get. The Lord says never, never says, hold fast your comfort. The devil's not after your comfort. The devil's not after your, you're just trying to learn more facts about the Bible. But there are some things, there are some things that are harder. Now, now reason for me. I'm going to, I'm going to give you a little preview about one of them. One is boldness. Now I'll get to it after a while. I'm not, I'm not, this is a little preview. I'm not preaching yet. One is about boldness. Did you know that naturally boldness diminishes as you grow in grace? Now I'll tell you why. A person gets saved. He's saved. He knows he's saved. He goes back out on the job and he says, guess what? I, girls on the front, here, girl, hey, you sit still when you come. Look at me, girl. Hey, you sit still when you come to church. You look at me. Look at me. I'm going to come down there and put your head up face it toward me if you don't watch me while I preach. Now, we don't act like heathen here at First Baptist Church. We act like decent young ladies, and we'll just chase you right out if you don't know how to behave. Now, the natural thing is, for people, when they, when they get older in, in the Lord, they, don't get it, they lose their boldness. Now, why? Follow me, I'll tell you. The, the, the longer you're saved, the more you come to church. And the more you're with God's people. Did you know, kids, it's harder to be bold for Christ now that we have Hammond Baptist High School than it was before? Why? Because you're with God's people all the time. And you always, you're not fanatics all the time anymore. Every day of your life, you don't have to be different. So the less you're different, the harder it is to be different when you have to be. So along with the asset of having Christian fellowship and a great church, And a good school and closeness of fellowship, along with that asset, means that you're not with the world as much as you used to be. Consequently, you've become out of practice. So with this natural desire to be with God's people, which comes through the years, there comes a lessening of the desire to be bold and stand up for God. That's the opposite side of the same coin. Now then, what is it? We're supposed to hold on to some things. What are these things? The first thing. We're to hold on to what we have. Revelation chapter 2, we read it just a while ago, and I'll turn back to it. I'll ask you not to turn because of time, <clears throat> but I'll read it again. But that which thou, which ye have already, hold fast, hold it tight, till I come. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast, which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Now the first admonition is this. We are to... Like I held on to that rope, we're to hang on for dear life. We're to hold on, hold on fast, push it against the wall, hold it down, don't let it go. What? The, the, the ground you've already made for God. Let me say this. Wherever you are in the Christian life now, hold on there. Don't slide back down. I'm the, now, all degrees of, and variations of Christian growth are represented in this room. Some are baby Christians. You've just been saved. Some are Christians who've been saved for years and you know the Word of God better than I do, and you're strong, stalwart servants of Christ. Wherever you are, hold fast what you have. Don't go back. Don't don't slide. Don't slip. Don't go back. Hold fast. A young lady in our church. She she was of a well I won't tell you. But anyway, she, she came to me and she talked to me about going to school. She was a very poor girl. We had helped the family. We had fed them. We had clothed them. They could not have had Christmas had it not been for us. And uh, I got a letter from the from mother. And she said, we need help. And we helped the family. Many times we helped them. A young, young, young lady came to my office for a senior appointment. And uh, I, I suggested she go to college. And she said, Pastor, how can I go to college? And I said, God will see to it that you go. Many of our people... Saw to it. The Lord impressed us to help her. We sent her food and clothes. We sent her money. Uh, we, we, we helped her with the tuition. She came to my study after two or year, three years of college, three years of college. And she said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit college. And I said, then just get out of my office. Just get out. And she said, why? I said, I don't want quit quitter hanging around my office. I don't like quitters. And she said, well, but, Pastor, I feel I ought to quit. I said, okay, but just get out. I said, people have helped you, and they've given you money, and they've sacrificed, and they've done without, and we've taken you off the skid row, out of the gutter, and, uh, and, and, and out of poverty, and have given you everything decent that you've got. Now, get out! She said, Pastor, if you, won't get, if you won't get mad at me, I'll go back. And so she went back down to Tennessee Temple School and enrolled. And then she went into the sand. And I called her on the phone, and I talked to her, and I begged her and pleaded with her to live for God. And now she's back, and she's living for God. Now she's off again. Her mother came by the other day, and she said, Pastor, would you talk to my daughter? I had Mrs. McKinney call her and say, Come by and see Brother Hiles. And she said, No, I won't do it. I don't want to see him. You know why? Because men love darkness, because their deeds are evil. She said, not just want to face the man of God. And all the progress she's made, all the progress she's made is gone and all of the hours of counseling, and all of the prayers, and all of the help, and all of the sacrifice, and all of the money, it's all gone. Now she's down where she was when we found her. Why? She didn't hold fast. And by the way, there's not a single person in this room that who couldn't, who couldn't fall all the way down if you don't hold fast. Hang on to what you have. Hold on to it. You are a potential backslider. You could fall back from which you came. Not lose your salvation, but lose your joy, lose your testimony, lose your witness, lose your happiness, lose your peace, lose your fellowship with God. Wherever you are, hold on to it. Don't let it go. The heartbreak of the ministry, and Dr. Billings, you will vouch for this. The heartbreak of our lives is those that slide back, those that don't hold fast. There's a second thing. Hold fast the truth. Hold fast the truth. I'll, I'll read it for you over in Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 13. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Paul writes young Timothy and says, Timothy, the words I've given you, the truth that I have given you, hold it fast. Timothy had a wonderful grandmother whose name was Lois. And no doubt, Lois, uh, Grandmother Lois sat Timothy down. Thank God for good grandmothers, um, that don't spoil the grandkids. And, and the boys, you listen while I'm preaching that Don't spoil the grandkids. Thank God for good grandmothers that don't come and visit and say, oh, don't you spank the poor little precious thing. If your grandmother, if your mother does that, send her home. Send her home in love. Better still, spank the grandmother. But anyway, um, thank God for good grandmothers. And uh, no doubt, I'm sure, I'm sure that Lois, in fact the Bible teaches that Lois had set Timothy down and said now, Tim, uh, uh, hold the word of God. This is the Bible. I want to teach you the blessed word of God. And she had taught him the truth of God. And he had a wonderful mother whose name was Eunice. And Eunice had done the same thing. Thank God for good mothers. Mothers who believe the Bible. Mothers who love the Bible. And she had taught him that the Bible was the word of God and taught him the things of God. Then he had a a pastor, Paul, loved Timothy, and Paul had taught Timothy that that the Bible is the truth of God. And Paul rushed to Timothy and said, now, Timothy, you're a young preacher, and you're out on your own now. And he said, hold fast the truth that you've got from your mother. I'm talking to some young people right now who are living against what your mother prayed you'd be. I'm talking to young men in this room right now whose mother has taught you better than what you're doing, and you know it's true. And uh, Paul said, hold hold fast the truth that your grandmother taught you and the truth that your mother taught you and the truth your pastor taught you. Hold it! Don't slide! Some of you young people are going to be going off to the service. Hold fast what you've learned from this pulpit and from your mother's knee and from these classrooms over here. Some of you are going to be going off to a state university. God, pity that you'd have to, but some of you will in medical school or law school or some other university that will try to shake your faith. Hold fast! the truth you've learned here in this church hold it fast I was thinking last night and you've heard me say it m- many of you how that my mother used to take the Bible and almost every night if not every night she'd read from the Bible to me and mother's here this morning and she recalls these days I can recall the first time I remember was out on Ann Arbor Street way out in the country I was a little boy we had a two room house and we didn't have a bathroom I take it back we had a, we had a rest room but it was out in the backyard where the Sears Book catalog was, and and, uh, and everything was out in the backyard, about fifty feet out behind the house. And oh my, when the winter time would come and uh, cold, we didn't have any any running water. We didn't have any faucets. We drank out of a dipper and out of a, and we had a um, little wash pan where we would take the dipper and we would put dip the water in the wash pan and wash our hands. And if we wanted some hot water, we had to put it on the stove. But if, we, but if we had a stove, but the stove was a wood stove. And so we had to go out and chop some wood and then come in and lift up uh, lift up the top of the stove and put the wood inside and build a fire on the inside of it. And then we had to to um, uh, wait till it got hot. And then we had to get the water out of the well. And then we had to put the water, dip it out of the bucket into the, into the, to a saucepan of some kind. And we had to put it on top of the stove and warm the water. And by the time you had it already, you have forgotten what you wanted the hot water for. And uh, well, and then you took a bath. We had number two tub to take a bath in. And uh, all of us took a bath in the same number two tub. Dad would take a bath in it. And uh, Mama would take a bath. Dad always took a bath first. I mean, it, and I'm not kidding you, every Saturday. If, uh, we took a bath every Saturday. It didn't matter whether we needed it or didn't need it. We took a bath every Saturday. And... Uh, so Dad would take one first. He always first. And uh, Mom was second, and Erlene was third, and I was fourth. Same water, uh, of course. Nobody wants to go out and change water. And uh, I'd, sit, I'd look at that water. When Earlene gets out of the bathtub, it's filthy. <laughs> it's filthy. And uh, so I always followed Erlen. And I can recall standing there in my underwear with a towel over my arm, waiting for my time, looking and saying, I wonder if I'll be dirtier or cleaner when I get out of that tub. And number two, tub. But my mother, God bless her, my mother would take the Bible in that little shack of a house on Ann Arbor Street, and she'd say, Son, this is the Bible, and the Bible is the Word of God. She'd say, Son, say that. And I'd say, Mama, the Bible is the Word of God. And she'd say, Say it again. And I'd say, The Bible is the Word of God. Say it again, Son. The Bible is the Word of God. And then my mother would say, Son, don't you ever believe anything else than that. Always believe the Bible is the Word of God. Some day some preacher is going to tell you it's not. Don't believe him. Don't believe him. Don't believe him. And some day some teacher is going to tell you it's not. Don't believe him. Don't believe him. The Bible is the Word of God, and the Bible is. That's what Paul was saying to Timothy. Oh, hold fast the truth. May I say, young people. Take what you've been taught here in this pulpit and from these classrooms and from the rooms at school that this book is God's divine word and hold it fast! If somebody says the Bible's not true, hold fast the truth! The Bible's the word of God and everything in here is a part of God's great, great, uh, blueprint for life and for happiness and for joy. And so the Lord said, hold fast! What? How far you've gone? Hold fast! What else? Hold fast the word of God. There's a third thing, and that is is found, I'll read it for you, in Hebrews chapter 3. Listen to this in verse 6. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we? If we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end, then Hebrews chapter 4, you find about the same words. Let's see Hebrews chapter... um, Chapter 10, I'll read it to you in verse 23. It says about the same thing. It says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. Let us hold fast what? The ground we've gained. Let us hold fast what? The truth of God. And third, let us hold fast our profession. Now, the word profession here, if you listen, I'll teach you some Greek. It comes from three words. One which means out. The little word ek means out. One which means same. homo. Homo, uh, homogenized milk, same consistency. Homosexual, one sex. Homo, same. Ek, that's the word for out. Homo, the word for same. And the last word is the word logos, which means word or words. Now, here's what it means. Hold fast the out, same word. What does it mean? It means have the same words.
1: Come out of your mouth
0: as you grow in grace. What does it mean? You stood up for Christ when you first got saved. Hold fast, that profession. Keep on witnessing for Christ. Now listen, as you grow older, you'll find it harder and harder and harder in the Christian life to witness. I don't know why, but you will. I was on an airplane. I'm sorry I was, but I'm sorry it happened. I was on the airplane, and I was flying to Atlanta, Georgia. And a businessman was beside me, and he liked me, and I liked him, we were having a fine, fine talk. And and, uh, and I decided, I've got to witness to him. I've got to witness to him. I've got to witness to him. And I said, sir, are you a... And I froze. He said, yes, a what? And I said, a northerner or a southerner? That's what I said. And I was so ashamed of myself. I'm a preacher. I've got a book on soul winning. I've got a long play record. I won an Oscar with it on soul winning. I've got tapes out on soul winning. Do you know some places across this country call me Mr. Soul Winner? And they're on, a, on the airplane. I said, Are you a northerner or a southerner? And I thought, Good night. Aren't you ashamed of yourself? And I. I went back in the back of the plane. I took my Bible, and I confessed my sin, and I opened the Bible and fell open to the Scripture that says, He is not ashamed to call us His brethren. I thought, Good night up in heaven. The Lord said, That's my brother down there. And I won't even tell folks here. I was on an airplane talking to a Negro man. I pulled out of Nashville, Tennessee, a DC-9, a big Negro fellow, sitting across the aisle, six feet, ten inches tall. I mean, the kind that you see seen them, they gangle when they walk. And, uh, and, and the legs have four or five knees, <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> so <clears throat> and, and honestly, the way he was dressed, I want you to know, no Christmas tree ever lit up like he did. <laughs> and uh, he sat down, and he uh, was uh, across the aisle and We got in a storm, and uh, I, t- I said, "Hey, uh, where, where are you going?" He said, I'm, "I'm going to try out for the for the." Uh, Harlem Globetrotters. I'm at tryout camp. And I said, uh, well, why didn't you play professional basketball? He said, well, I had an offer from the Chicago Bulls, but, but decided to try out for the Harlem Globetrotters instead. And I chatted for a while. He had a goatee. He had hair sticking out in bunches everywhere, you know. And I had hair sticking out in bunches nowhere, you know. And uh, so I said, uh, uh, well, well uh, I'm, I'm basketball. Now, we start talking about basketball, and he was interested that I would kn- And then he looked at me, and he said, Mister, could I tell you about Allah? Could I tell you about Allah? And I thought, oh, my God in heaven. Here that colored man is, wanting to tell me about Allah. I don't know what he meant. Because I took over the conversation from them. I don't know what he meant. But he wanted to tell me about Allah. And I said, here I have the living Christ in my soul. And he beat me to it. And I looked at him and I said, sir, I won't apologize to you. I can tell you about the one who is Allah incarnate, God's only son, Jesus Christ, that for whom... Uh, whom God gave us and, and, th- and through whom God gives us salvation. And I told him the wonderful story. But do you know, you got to hold fast to that. Dr. Billings, when you get on the airplane and somebody says, what kind of profession are you in? And you say, I'm a college president. You like that, don't you? You know, I call myself a college founder if I have, a, if, you know. So I said, what, what are you? I said, the founder of a college. <laughs> huh? it, don't, you, you don't know that. Don't look so innocent. <laughs> now, I'm a college president. You know, there's something in all of us that makes us want to bypass. And the older we get in the Lord, the more we want to bypass that thing of our profession. Well, when I first got saved uh, one Sunday night, I got saved out in an outdoor service. And I had a friend across the street named Ben Sanders. And I went home, and I next morning went out to play ball in a vacant lot, and I said, Hey, Ben. I said, you do live in a mansion or a shack. I knew the preacher said I had a mansion instead of a shack forever. But so live in a mansion or a shack? And Ben said, what's a mansion? And I had no idea in the world. Had no idea. I, didn't, I just knew I had one. And I said, I have to wait to ask the preacher what it is, Ben. But I got one because I'm saved. And do you know, I had another friend down on Overton Road in Dallas, Texas. And you've heard me tell this, many of you. I've been saved the, the day before. I went down to see James Stone. It was on Monday. And I said, James, won't take you to church. I don't I don't know how to tell you to be saved, but I know God loves you, and I want the preacher to get you saved. James lived two miles from the Fernwood Baptist Church, uh, nearly two feet, between a mile, almost two miles, between a mile, two miles. And I went to get James Stone the next Sunday morning and got him on a bicycle and pumped him. You know what needs to pump? Stick a fella on the bar. Uh, you girls can't do that very well on your bicycle, but stick a fellow on the bar, he sits Facing this way, while I'm going this way, and uh, pumped him to church and left him there and drove, rode all the way back up to his house on Overton Street, down Fernwood, and Overton, and got his brother George. George was fatter than James. He was younger but fatter. I put George on the bicycle. I pumped George all the way down to the church, and George got saved. I got off the, I got George off the bicycle, rode back and got his sister, who was younger than James and younger than George, but fatter than than both of them, and I put the fat sister on the, ha- on the bar of the bicycle and pumped her back down to the church house and then went back down to his house and got his little bitty brother and pumped his little bitty brother, eight-year-old brother down, and all four of them got saved. And the funniest thing you ever saw, after it's all over, all four of them got saved. And they said, how are they getting home? I said, I don't know. You get home the best way you can. I, I, I'm about to pump you back And now that you're saved. I pumped you down here to get you saved. I pumped between eight and 16 miles that morning just to get people saved. Did you know this morning I didn't pump anybody to church on a bicycle? You know what happens? We're so prone to lose our profession. The Lord knows that as we get more dignified in the Lord, and get deeper in the Word, and get where we understand the things of God better, and as we grow more mature in the Lord, the Lord knows we lose that sweet something that made us tell people about the Savior when we first got saved. And so the Lord said, as you grow older than the Lord, many things you'll do naturally. Many things that you want to do that are good to do. You'll grow naturally. But there's some things that the devil tries to steal. And one is your profession. The fourth one is found in Hebrews chapter 3, and I'll read it to you. And it's uh, verse 6, I think it is. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we, hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing. The word confidence there means boldness, boldness. It's harder for me to be bold. Did you know? Honestly, this is true. Did you know it's harder for me to take a strong stand now than it was 20 years ago? I don't understand why. Well, I can recall when I used to stand up and fight out against sin and holler and against what was wrong. I didn't care if I liked it or not. But there's something different now. I didn't used to cry when I finished preaching a tough message. I didn't used to go to my, my office and and wish folks would understand. Last week a man said, a young lady came down the aisle last Sunday night, said I want to join the church by transfer. She said, I, I'm a Hiles Anderson student. She said, I used to hate you, but now I love you. And I'm glad she loves me, but I couldn't get away from that. And way into the night, Sunday night, I thought about she used to hate me. Why would anybody hate a nice guy like me But she used to hate me. I wonder why. I wonder if I did something unkind. I wonder if I didn't treat her courteously. I wonder why. And all into the night, I thought about those words, I used to hate you. Now, I'm willing to stand, but it's not as easy as it used to be. I stand like I used to stand. I've tried to hold fast. And I've tried to hold to my boldness and and hold fast to my conviction and hold fast to what i stood for for these years. It's not as easy as it used to be. You know why? Because I love you more than I used to. It's not quite as easy as it used to be to let folks go. It's not quite as easy. I've grown some. And you know, now follow me. It is easy to grow in love. But that's the one side of the coin. The more you love somebody, the harder it is to scold them. And for them to hate you and get mad at you. There are times, you don't know, a young lady came to my office last week. One of our kids, she grew up in our church. She's a lovely young lady. And she came, and she's about to throw in the towel and do something that she shouldn't do, I think. And she spoke a little harshly to me. And I I had to sort of scold her severely. And after she left, I got on my knees and I said, Dear Lord, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to do it. I love her. I didn't want to do it. But I had to. Did you know it's harder to stand at work the older you grow, the older you get in the Lord? You know it's harder to stand alone in the neighborhood and at school and when they have the parties and so forth. It's harder. Out in Cherville the other day. I met with the town board and they've been so so gracious to us. But one of the town board members said said, Hey, said you know we're having a good time here. Said, why don't we just, why don't you break bread with the other reverends in town? And you know what that means? That means I'm supposed to sit around the table and break bread with a bunch of preachers as they drink their liquor and smoke their cigarettes, and a bunch of them don't believe the Bible. I didn't want to say to the fellow, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I didn't want to, but I had to. Don't you see what I'm saying? the more you grow in grace and the more love that God gives you and the more compassion that God gives you. That's why preachers turn. That's why when preachers get over with a fist, you see them give in and turn. What? They love more. And their heart goes out more. And it's not as easy for folks to get mad at you as it used to be. There's a man here, 36 years old, came from another state to go to Howells Anderson College. He told me last week, he said, when I first came to college here, I didn't like you much. Nobody likes me much when they first come to college here. What's wrong with you, ignorant student? But uh, I didn't like you much. But he said, now, oh, he said, what a blessing you've been to me. What a blessing you've been. It's awfully easy not to want to be a blessing and be less bold and less courageous. It's harder to stand. For example, these boys over here this morning, this may come as a great surprise to you, but I've had my mind on these boys ever since I made that mistake a while ago. I've looked at them 15 times. During the song service. I think they ought to get haircuts. I think boys ought not look like he, like the heathen world. I think you ought to be able to tell who's a boy and who's a girl. But it's not real easy to get up and preach about it. I'm simply saying that the Lord says he knew, he knew, he said He knew that looked down through my life and he knew that after I'd been saved for 27 years, or been preaching 27 years, and been saved for over 35 years. Years, the Lord knew that in 1973 it'd be harder for me. And he said, Jack, hold fast what you've got. And the Lord knew it'd be harder for me to stand for the truth and have the same conviction. And he said, hold fast your conviction. And the Lord knew it wouldn't be as easy to preach against sin as it was as a young man. And he said, hold fast. He said, why? Well, it's good tonight. Preachers got to live too. Preachers got to live, too. <laughs> every once in a while I say, You don't like it! Let me know how to walk out! I used to say that and not worry about it too much. I still say it. But I worry about it more. And every once in a while I say, Reckon they're not going to like it? Reckon I won't have to walk out? Don't misunderstand me. Don't get your hopes up. I would. I would. Brother, you... You won't mess with my preaching. You won't tell me how to preach, how long to preach, what to preach. Uh, you won't tell me where to preach. It's God's business and mine. But it's not as easy as it used to be to say that. You know why? Because I love you more than I used to. And because i got bills to pay, too. I'm simply saying the Lord knew it would be harder, so he said, hold fast. <laughs> There's a fifth thing, and I just mentioned it in passing. The Lord wants to hold on to it's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and verse 21, and I'll simply read it to you in passing. 1 Thessalonians 5, 21 is bound to be here in the Bible somewhere where in the world is Thessalonians. Here it is. Um, Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Hold fast what? Hold fast your growth. Hold fast what? Hold fast the truth. Hold fast what? Hold fast your profession. Hold fast what? Hold fast your confidence, your boldness. Hold fast what? Hold fast your goodness. Your goodness. Your goodness. There are two two things in a preacher's life. My life anyway. The greatest as a preacher, the greatest joy I have is when my people hold fast. The other day I was in Maryland, Washington DC, airport, drove to Maryland. Fella said, Could I drive you back to the airport? I said, yes, you could. I, he drove him back to the airport and he said, You know David Hartsfield? I said, Sure.
1: David Hartsfield,
0: one of the best kids I ever had in my church. Where, where's David now? He says, he's a school teacher in Little Rock, Arkansas. I was afraid to ask, How's he doing? How's he doing? And he said, That's the best boy I ever knew. That's the best boy I ever knew. How old is he? <laughs> Thirty-four. I was his pastor when he was a t- little kid. I mean, he age this boy here on the front, age these boys over here. And I couldn't recall when David started going with the wrong girl. And I called him in and I said, David, you shouldn't go with her. But he said, I love her. I said, okay, marry somebody you hate, but don't go with her. And he said, well, how's I, I, I love her? And I said, David, okay, but be a bachelor, but don't marry her. But he said, but the highest, I love her. And I cried and I prayed and I cried. And finally David did marry a fine young lady, went off to college. And they said, he is just exactly what you were wanting to be. And I laughed and I cried and I said, blessed be God. Thank God some hold fast. Some turn out okay. But oh my, last night, and I want. Fellow, I won't betray you, so don't worry about it. But a young man came to my office, grew up in this church. He told me a story I couldn't even tell you. You you wouldn't believe it. Just think of the awfulest thing in the world that could happen to one of our kids. And this was ten times that bad. Oh, the sordid story of sin he told me. I've never heard it. I have a hard time believing it's even true. It's even happened worse than anything you've seen on television or heard about in the movies or heard about in dirty magazines. Worse than all oh, of put together. One of our boys. How did it happen? Used to come to teenage soul winning. Yeah. Came to church one night. Had some time on his hands. Moms and dads, you know why, why I say, Don't let that boy out the door. Don't let him wander around. Know where your kids are. He had some time on his hands. He wandered down the street, went over to State Street. He wandered down State Street, stopped at the bus station, and there he met a person. He'd been to church. He'd been to church. And there he met a person at the bus station that led him into sin, and then down and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And that 16-year-old boy poured out his whole soul to me, and my heart literally broke inside. Some people, it can happen to you. Moms and dads, it can happen to us. Hold fast. Hold it fast. That's why the Lord said, that growth and grace you've known. Hold, Hold it fast. fast. The word of God and the truth we've taught you. Hold it fast. fast. The profession in Christ you're witnessing. Hold, Hold it fast. The courage to stand for God when you're unpopular. Hold it, it fast. And the goodness in your life and the conviction that God has given you. Hold them fast. Then he says, Hold them fast. How long? <laughs> Till I come, till I come, and when we come, He comes, and we see Him as He is. We'll be thankful forever that we held fast the Word, our profession, conviction, goodness, courage, boldness, all the things that naturally become harder to do with the passing of the years. Hold fast. Hold fast. Hold fast. Hold fast. Hold fast. If nobody holds, hold. If everybody turns, hold fast. They laugh at you, hold fast. They rebuke you, hold fast. They curse you, hold fast. If they kill you, hold fast. Till the trumpet sounds and our Lord returns in the clouds of glory. And we shall be like him. shall see him as he is. And she'll never have to face a temptation again. Until that time, sailors, hold fast. Students, hold fast. Moms and dads, hold fast. Preachers, hold fast. When he comes, we'll be glad we did. Let us pray. Thank you for listening. And if you like this, please subscribe and consider liking my Facebook page and joining my group, Jesus Answers Prayer. May God bless your day. Hello, we are Mark and Pearl Lambert, and we are the ministers of Jesus Answers Prayers. If you like this ministry, please help support it. The link to donate is found in the description below. Thank you and God bless.